Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And, um, well, we're, today we're going to be doing Welsh Fire, the team breakdown, or in Welsh, it's Tan Cymraeg. Um, I felt like I have to do that because my dad's Welsh, so I feel like he'd never forgive me if I didn't give the Welsh version of it. I'm impressed. Well done. Can we get that again? Tan Cymraeg. Um, I, I can... Have you ever heard, learned uh, the longest Welsh town in the uh, the longest Welsh town name? That was one of my top. Uh, that was one of my top achievements. Which okay. right, I'll, I'll give it for you. It's Llanfair Pwthgwyn Gil Gogerith and Rob with Lantasilio Gogogog. It's an interesting way to start a podcast, anyway. Nothing else in directions for that town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fortunately, I, well, I've never been there, but I don't even know. I only know a few words in Welsh anyway. But um, yeah, um, I, uh, probably a lot of the squad don't really uh, know much Welsh because um, as we're going to get into, certainly with the men's team, uh, there are a lot of people all over. And as we know, there's um, a lot of catchments from other counties. So each franchise usually is a catchment area for a specific area. Welsh Fire is the one that... I guess has courted the most sort of, I don't want to say controversy, but, you know, chunnering is probably the best way of saying it. Yeah, I think they were quite sort of bold in their decision to name it the Welsh Fire, purely because most of the players are coming from Somerset. Um, I don't know if there are actually any Welsh-born players on the team. And, you know, just to sort of get the commitment from the supporters, uh, I think it's, bold, it's, it's a bold move calling it the Welsh Fire, so hopefully it works out. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think there's a lot of talk about it. Maybe it should have been called Western Fire or something like that. But and anyway, we're, we're getting into semantics now. Um, how about we'll run through who's out and who's in first. So obviously, as we know, based on largely the Manchester Originals, the Colpac system has ended. So a lot of uh, overseas players who are playing as domestic players can now no longer do that. Obviously, Manchester Originals were hit quite hard with that. But what flew under the radar was actually Welsh Fire were too. They had um, at least three coal packs um, and um, four or five, depending on how you look at it. But uh, they obviously lost two of their big overseas players as well. Steve Smith and Mitchell Stark uh, left from the squad last, uh, last year. Um, Danny Briggs uh, was released from the squad, but he was picked up by the Southern Brave. But the um, overseas players, uh, the Colpac players specifically, were Luce Deploy, Ravi Rampal, Simon Harmer, and Colin Ingram. Now, of those four, only one of them was retained by another squad, and that's Colin Ingram, who is now one of the overseas players for Oval Invincibles. But also, Ryan Tenderscarta has gone as well, and I am really, really disappointed that he's gone. Um, I love Ryan Tenderscarta. I know you really, you really were, was looking forward to seeing him. So it's a shame that they had to let him go. Definitely. Um, I think it might be in a similar vein from Manchester Originals that they released Imran to here. I think what they're trying to do is build a squad that they can maintain over a few seasons. Uh, Ryan Tenderscarta is still a very fine cricketer, but is definitely more towards the end of his career than the beginning of his career. So I think perhaps that weighed into the decision. Uh, but anyway, those are the names that have all gone. And we've obviously had two new overseas players who we'll get to. And we've had six more domestic players who've come in. 
So let's run through. So the England centrally contracted player is Johnny Bairstow. And I think we all know about Johnny Bairstow. Um, England wicketkeeper batsman. Um, and obviously uh, you uh, saw him out in the IPL as well, playing for Hyderabad. Yeah, but actually, I think it's been changed since he lost his test contract. Um, I actually think from further research, this is why Ollie Pope was moved to the Welsh Fire, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I actually do think that the, the, the England central contractor player now is Ollie Pope from, for the Welsh Fire, because Johnny lost his contract with the ECB. Oh! Makes sense uh, why they've got another wicketkeeper. <laughs> that certainly does, because that's definitely something that's coming up. I'm, you see, this is why I'm so glad that there's two of us doing this, not one, because then when, like, you know, if you make a sort of a schoolboy error, like I've literally just done, um, you've got somebody to say, to... Um, Either way, I mean, we're just watching the England One Day series now, and Johnny Burstow is doing really well. His strike rate's amazing. Opening bat, um, they've retained him all the same, so he's going to be a great, a great one for the squad. Definitely. And um, he is really cementing his position as a one-day specialist, I think, because obviously he hasn't had the greatest run in the tests and he has sort of struggled to bat. He never is favoured keeping wicket over Joss uh, Butler. So he definitely is becoming more of an integral part of the one-day squad, but very much so. Obviously, the recent India-England ODI series, he batted fantastically. We're definitely going to be seeing a lot more of him now and um, that means that I think he's probably going to be keeping the wicket for the vast majority of this game but anyway let's move on to the England centrally contracted player by that run which is Ollie Pope now he is an England batsman and it does keep wickets as well um, he's kind of Ian Bell-esque would you agree I think he's been likened to Ian Bell for a while now and um, yeah I have to agree actually really sort of pretty batsman to watch in his shot, shot selection. I think he does really well. There's a lot to be said for pretty batsman, isn't there? Because <laughs> as, much, as much as I love Alistair Cook, he was never a particularly aesthetic batsman. It wasn't easy on the eye. It didn't matter because he was obviously one of the greatest batsmen that not just England, but cricket has ever produced. But just watching Ian Bell's cover drives, even watching Ollie Pope's cover drives, his back foot cuts, it's, it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think he's probably going to occupy the anchor batsman role, you know, that first drop, number three, Joe Rootish type of position in Welsh fire. But a uh, great acquisition, and obviously we've had a little bit of a change-up of the England contracts, uh, so that's Ollie Pope. Let's go to the three overseas players. So let's go first to the one overseas player that they did retain, which was Kais Ahmad, the young Afghan leg spinner. He's played in almost every franchise in the world, except for the IPL. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, he was even attached to the Euro T20 Slam. I didn't even know that that was a thing, and that's, that sounds, you know, that sounds worthwhile. Wow. Did, they, did they go through that? Or? No, it got pulled, which was quite a shame. It was shaping up to be quite an interesting contest. I don't know if you remember the last time we went through the squad breakdown. He also has a funny quirk of doing backflips whenever he takes a wicket. Yes, I remember you saying. Okay, well, I can't wait to see that in action. Yeah, that's half the entertainment there is not just the cricket you're watching, but the sort of, I guess it's the grandstanding that surrounds it. It's oddly American, really, isn't it? Anyway, let's move on to the other two overseas players. Now, obviously, they lost the Australian pair, Steve Smith and Mitchell Stark, but they have just had two very interesting acquisitions. They had Kyron Pollard, 
don't really even need to say anything about that. Just probably one of the best T20 players in the world at the moment. And Jai Richardson, an Australian fast bowler. Now, uh, do, you know, do you know much about Jai Richardson? I don't actually know. Well, he is a sort of a new acquisition. And I think they were interested in him and he got his selection based on his performance in last year's Big Bash because he got the BKT Golden Arm Trophy. So he took lots of wickets in the last Big Bash League. Now, I think what this says is you're going to start seeing a pattern about players that have been acquired based on their current form, as in based on how well they played in the last uh, domestic season that they had. Uh, but Jai Richardson's a great fastball. He's five foot ten, so he's very much in that sort of Mark Woods skiddy pace bowler um, fashion. But very good acquisition, and especially based on his BBL last year. It's going to be great. First of all, I was thinking, you know, it's a shame that they lost Steve Smith because we know Steve Smith to be one of the best batsmen in the world. Hmm. But actually, when you look at it, I think he is, I think he thrives more in sort of test match conditions. So the fact that they've replaced him for Kieran Pollard, obviously it's not a like for like replacement um, as such, but, um, but it's all about the strike rate, as we know, it was such a limited, um, limited balls. Um, Kieran Pollard is up there, you know, with Andre Russell, and I think they've, they've done a good swap there. People don't seem to know whether it's Kieran or Kyron, and I don't actually. Um, but anyway, that's a sort of a weird aside. Um, obviously, we just saw him in Sri Lanka hit six sixes in an over. Um, that's always very impressive. Um, and obviously, he's a regular in the Mumbai Indians. Bowls great medium pace. He's actually quite a good death bowler as well. Yeah, great acquisition. So that's the uh, overseas players anyway. We'll get into some of the more prolific uh, England players, and then we'll run down the rest of the squad. Now, we have what I definitely assume is one of your favourite up-and-coming players at the moment, and that's Tom Banton. <laughs> that just that just takes me back to the interview we did with um, Ali Kantarine when he was talking about his PSL squad and he was, um, you know, being not very subtle about the fact that he really wanted to choose um, Tom Banton. He um, he's very promising. Unfortunately, he didn't get a go at much um, IPL experience last year, which I thought was a real shame because he was in such good form at the time. Um, he's really, you know, young player. He's not afraid to be on the front foot and really attack the ball. I think that his, his strike rate's fantastic. Um, he really slogs at it and he, you know, he wants to go for the maximum each time. So I think that's a great shout for an opening batsman. Yeah, he has to be really. I mean, you look at his strike rates. In domestic T20s, his strike rate is 151 and in internationals, it's 143. So that says just how attacking a batsman he is. It's a shame. You could see he was getting his form back slightly when he was playing in the PSL, but then obviously he got COVID just before the PSL was, uh, was postponed. I think he fell victim a little bit to people expecting a bit too much of him at the early stages of his career. But um, I think time will tell. He is a class batsman, great acquisition. So let's move on to Ben Duckett. So this is who I think is going to actually be keeping wicket when Johnny Bairstow isn't keeping wicket. He was around the England squad and he specifically was around during that 2016 period where we saw the likes of players like Liam Dawson and Hasib Hamid. So he keeps wicket and um, he actually even has one first class wicket bowling off spin. Who was behind the stumps then when that happened? 
you know what? I don't know. Does any of our listeners know that? Uh, by the way, this is a perfect time to plug us. If you're not following us yet, please do. Um, <laughs> no, I'll stop that. Um, yeah, but his strike rate is 132, left-handed. So I think he'll be at the top of the order. He's a good shout to be up in the top three alongside Johnny Bairstow and Tom Banton. Right, let's move on to Liam Plunkett. I think anybody who watches England cricket knows Liam Plunkett. And if you're like me, you feel he got, he got dealt a bit of a rubbish hand. I think he was a bit like David Willey for me. I went, why? Why has he been dropped? His middle orders in ODIs are like gold dust. And I reckon Moeen Ali has probably started to fill that role of just being economical, chipping away with the wicket. But Liam Plunkett, what a player. I know, and I feel like no one's really taken over those middle-order spells like Liam Plunkett did. And, and he actually speaks about it quite openly. Mm. After the World Cup, he felt um, a little shut out. And the fact that he was kind of just not selected in the, in the next team. And I don't think the communication was very good between the ECB and Liam Plunkett. And... At one stage, he was, um, his wife lives over in America, and at one stage, he was considering, I don't know if he's still considering it now, but going over to sign for um, an American team. You know, it, it's funny, because obviously, as you know, both, both you and I, in periods, have lived over in America. And um, I used to play uh, league cricket in, in Los Angeles, and I remember having a net session against one of the opening bowlers from the United States. And it was one of the most terrifying experiences in my entire life uh, so, you asked him to slow down a bit yeah i did i asked him to fall off two steps and he thought it was hilarious and I, I didn't really stay in the nets much longer than that but yeah could you imagine liam plunkett would walk into the u.s cricket team let's move on to jake ball so most of us will probably know jake ball because he's been in and around the england squad he has played test matches and odis he's actually in india or just leaving india um, with the ODI squad, even though he didn't get a game. He is often touted as one of England's faster bowlers. And again, he was one of those bowlers that was a really exciting prospect, did sort of burst onto the scene and then sort of fell off a little bit. And I think he got a bit of his confidence knocked out of him during Australia. But last year, he had a fantastic season playing in the NatWest Blast. Um, he was the leading wicket-taker, in fact. There's actually a great online article uh, that the cricketer did where they interviewed Jake Ball about what happened to him and uh, the sort of mental health aspect of not having a particularly good time on the field. But again, now, based on last year's performance in the Blast, he's earned himself a 100 contract. So again, another one of these players that currently is in fantastic form. But speaking of another player who is in top-notch form, we have Ian Cobain. I think it's Cobain. Is it Cockbain? Cobain? I'm not sure. Either way, I'm going to sound like an idiot, but it's fine. I'm used to it. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a senior player for Gloucestershire. Um, I remember I watched him in a county match about five or six years ago, but a great batsman. Uh, he does bowl medium pace, but he, he won't in this competition. He's got over 3,000 T20 runs, an average of 33, and a strike rate of 131. And actually last year, just like Jake Ball, Jai Richardson, he had a fantastic uh, season in the domestic competition, i.e. the T20 Blast in England. Um, in 11 innings, because obviously it was a slightly truncated uh, tournament because of what's going on in the world, he got 399 runs at an average of 44. <laughs> That's pretty decent. <laughs> Yeah, pretty decent. 
again, you can see that there's a pattern that what Welsh Fire are doing at the moment is that they are really trying to find players that are currently in form and sticking with them. That's certainly the tale of all of their latest acquisitions. Uh, some of the other players that we've got coming on, uh, we have Josh Cobb, who is uh, North Ant's Steelbacks captain, uh, all-rounder, bowls off break, uh, has a T20 batting average of 24, a uh, strike rate of 131, so very, very useful. Um, I think he's going to be used more as a batting all-rounder, and I reckon he's definitely going to populate the middle order. Uh, they've also got Matthew Critchley, who is a Derbyshire all-rounder, uh, quite young, 24. Um, in T20, he's got 43 wickets, um, bowling his leg breaks. Uh, that's a 26, so again, pretty good average. Weirdly, his, uh, his, his T20 figures, it's the only format where his bowling is more effective um, uh, than his batting. Um, because his average is 17 with the bat, but his batting is a lot better in the longer formats. So with that in mind, I don't think we'll see him batting much. Perhaps he'll be occupying the lower middle order. With a strike rate like that, he probably will. Next up, Ryan Higgins. Ryan Higgins was retained by them last year. He is a, a Gloucestershire all-rounder, uh, Zimbabwean-born, but is not affected by the Colpac situation because he is, uh, he is a settled uh, English player. All-rounder, averages 24 with a bat, 25 with a ball. He's almost got 50 wickets in T20s, including a five for that rare, elusive thing for T20 uh, bowlers. He was very economical last year uh, and regularly goes for less than 30 runs per match. So he's keeping it, keeping it economical. And in terms of the way he plays, he reminds me a bit of Peter Siddle. He's got that sort of bustly action. He runs in, plays with his heart. David Payne, uh, left arm fast medium. I think we're going to be seeing David Payne play largely because of that left arm angle, and it's something that they want to cover their bases. Um, he's got an average of 22, uh, 115 wickets in domestic T20s. Um, is another Gloucestershire signing. Like perhaps they should have called it Gloucestershire Fire based on all of this. <laughs> he is the player for county cricket fans, I reckon, because county cricket fans love Gloucestershire because it's one of those counties where they don't really have any big names, but they have a very solid squad of very dependable players. And obviously Welsh Fire are going to benefit from that given the domestic competition. David Lloyd. David Lloyd is our last player. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's not Bumble. <laughs> yeah, it's not Bumble. I wonder how often he gets called Bumble. Maybe that is his nickname as well. <laughs> yeah, it may be. Um, yeah, no relation, uh, but he's an all-rounder for Glamorgan. He's a Glamorgan player. We have one. Um, scored over a 1,000 runs for them. Uh, strikes at 127. Bowls medium pace. And his medium pace goes at a fantastic average of 16. But he opens for Glamorgan in the T20 format. So I don't know, given the top order of Ben Duckett, Tom Banton, Johnny Bairstow, Kyron Pollard, Ollie Pope, I don't know if David Lloyd is going to get an opening spot. He might be a beneficiary if somebody's not performing that well. But it'd be hard to leave him out, given his, his home record, especially being the Glamorgan player. But anyway, that's everybody. That's everybody who's playing for Welsh Fire's men's squad. So they're looking pretty good. I think Gary Kirsten has has done quite well. Yeah, I think Gary Kirsten would have, um, you know, when he first realised that he can't use any cold pack players, 
would have had quite a nightmare because they had quite a few before and it was looking you know looking like a really good all-round team before as well so he had a lot of homework to do obviously they only retained a couple of players for the whole squad but I actually think that they've done really well they've obviously really thought about it um they, their, their new international choices are fantastic and um, they definitely got their fair share of wicket keepers in case um but they've got a great batting lineup as well and 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 bowling so I think they're, they're looking pretty good Shall we do the Welsh Fire Women's Squad? I think we absolutely should. Stop the press, stop the press. Before we carry on with this podcast any further, we had to jump in because we recorded this podcast uh, before a major squad announcement came out. Sarah Taylor has come out of retirement and is joining the Welsh Fire. Absolutely amazing. I... Could not believe it. I remember, well, the 100, uh, the 100 Twitter account kept dropping these little teaser videos and they were talking about glove work and safe pair of hands and things like that. Immediately I went, Sarah Taylor. It's definitely Sarah Taylor. And I was so happy to see it. That what, what an addition. She's fantastic. And she's only recently, only very recently retired, but it just shows what, you know, how excited all of the domestic players are for the 100 to be such a success um, that she wants to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, and I think what an acquisition for Welsh Fire squad. Anyway, we wanted to throw that in really quickly because obviously it's, it's pretty big news. So we'll put that in. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, great. Because I'm so excited mostly to talk about the international choices for the Welsh Fire. Definitely. Probably, <laughs> I mean, probably one of the biggest names in women cricket um, is Meg Lanning. Obviously, Australian captain, uh, top top order batsman, right-handed bat. And she is the youngest centurion, either men or women, in Australian history um, yeah, to get that century. So that's pretty cool. I mean, her stats are fantastic. Um, I mean, her CV looks amazing. She's had 82 one-day internationals, 107 T20 internationals. So her experience is insane. She's also the captain of the Melbourne Stars um, in the BBL, who did really well last season. Um, her average for T20 is 36, strike rate 115, and that includes two centuries in that. And she also broke the record for the fastest century by an Australian to get a century in 45 balls. So I'm super excited that she's come over. Oh. And I also think that she's got, you know, the, that captaincy experience. She's going to teach some of these younger county players so much. Um, that, yeah, it's just going to be fantastic to have her leading the squad. Ah, yeah. I mean, Meg Lanning is one of those players that's playing around women's cricket at the moment who is just one of the best. And you saw when we interviewed Stefan Schemmelt, uh, it was one of the names he pulled out of the bag because it, I, I actually think... You know, I'm, I'm aware that one of the good things about the 100 is that it's bringing the women's game into, into the spotlight and people, the, the, the names are going to become household names. So if you're not familiar with women's cricket, Meg Lanning is one of those names that you know, even if you're not familiar with women's cricket. And it's just based on the fact that she's one of the best uh, women's cricketers that's been around ever. We've got a bit of a theme with the other international picks. We've got another Australian. We have Jess Jonasson, all-rounder. She's a left-handed bat and slow left arm orthodox spin. She's also plays for Australia, but she has captaincy experience herself with the Brisbane Heat in the BBL, who also did well last year. She's also captain of Queensland cricket, 
who won the championship for the first time literally yesterday and I know we're filming this in, in end of March so very recently won um, the championship for the first time for Queensland so that was fantastic achievement for her and she's also one of the best T20 bowlers in the world. She's also joined by the last international pick which is another Australian um, Beth Mooney, she's a wicketkeeper, batsman. She's an opener as well. She does open a lot in her batting. Left-handed bat as well, another lefty. Um, plays for the Brisbane Heat and Queensland with Jess um, and Australia. Her T20 average is 36, strike rate of 123. And in a recent 50-over match for Queensland, she got 163 in 139 balls. So she's not afraid to, yeah, she's not afraid to go for it. And she's got some pretty good scores under her belt. So those three um, international choices, I think, are great. The fact that they all know each other, they play with each other in the Australian team. Um, I think it's great to have those three to come over together. Let's talk about some of the England players. So, yeah, the most well-known of the England uh, players is Katie George. Um, left arm, medium pace bowler. She plays for England, Yorkshire Diamonds and also the Western Storm. She's got a really good economy. Um, she's been troubled recently by back injuries and um, she's only, because of that, she's only played a couple of international games. She's got two one days and five T20s in international since her debut in 2018. But she's doing well now and, you know, back from her recovery and raring to go. And as I said, she's got a great economy rate, so that's cool. Um, I, yeah, I'm wondering, is he, it's strange because you said uh, the play for Western Storm and... Are we going to see another familiar story here that a lot of them are coming from that catchment area that's the kind of the remodeled women's domestic franchise? Yeah, we have a lot of women here from the Western Storm. We also have a lot that played for Somerset. Um, so it's definitely, again, a local story of, you know, knowing your conditions, which seems to be um, a pretty good tactic, I think, when it comes to developing a team quickly. Definitely, especially if you're coming from grassroots. Well, because I'd say that's the big difference between the men's teams and the women's teams is that in the women's teams, the lot of the bench strength that aren't the big marquee player names are usually from the sort of local area. So the Southern Braves are taking it from the sort of Southern Vipers. Um, the uh, the Northern teams are, are, are usually coming from uh, the Diamonds. And, uh, you know, there's there's definitely a good story of doing that, especially in terms of developing the players into being able to play with and compete with uh, people of that big international standard. And um, it's yeah. very exciting. Exactly. Um, next up we have, talking of a local player, Somerset Seema, Lauren Filer, part of um, Somerset's women's team that were crowned T20 Division Two champions last year. And she's also part of that Western Storm team. And end of last season, she actually took one for 20 in five overs um, for a one day for the Western Storm. So she's got some good stats. Um, yeah, useful to have that seamer option in there. Um, she's also joined by um, Amy Gordon, who's only 19 years old. Again, these younger players um, who I didn't sort of find that many stats about them online, sort of they're starting their career. I just think are going to benefit so much from such captaincy experience of Meg Lanning. So Amy Gordon's only 19. She's part of the England's Women's Academy team and she's a right arm medium pace bowler. She actually isn't from um, Somerset. She plays for Surrey and the and South East Stars as well. So a bit of a mix up with, um, with some of the teams here as well. Yeah. Um, she's also joined by Alex Griffiths, who's an all-rounder, part of the Western Storm team. She's a right-handed bat and right arm medium pace bowler. 
And her last match for the Western Storms, she scored 80 of 68 balls and had an economy rate of five in that um, one-day match. We're seeing these phenomenal figures amongst, uh, amongst women's cricket players at the moment. It seems like, you know, we talk about in the men's game, uh, that magical economy of six. It seems like in the women's game, it's more about a magical economy of five. Um, maybe that's the, that's the standard that, that women's players have set themselves. Yeah, economy rate of five is, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see that, you know, down the line. That is actually a really, really special number to have. But yes, fantastic to have that in the team. Um, Georgia Hennessy is up next, an all-rounder from the Western Storms and also Somerset. And she was in that same last match with Alex Griffiths, we spoke about just now, and she got uh, 105 with the bat and two for 29 with the ball. So that was one of the most amazing matches for the Western Storms. And she's also one of the very few, she's one of 40 players to sign with um, a full-time domestic contract. So it's really good that she has that as a full-time occupation um, and gets all the training and stuff that's involved with that. There's only 40 so far that have domestic contract full-time it's so odd because like, I, I sit there going, that's, that's a pretty poor showing considering only 40 players have full-time contracts. Yeah. Um, it feels like we're sort of going in a step in the right direction because obviously that's better than, better than none, uh, which was a, a long time ago. And we are seeing that slow transition. Um, it was 40 to begin with a couple of years back. And then because of COVID in 2020, Actually, I think about only 26 were offered um, full-time contracts. And then they've added 15 to that list now. So they're kind of, you know, adding to it. But they definitely, women's cricket definitely suffered a lot, I think, during, during the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, it's, it's nice to see that, again, this is another thing that I think is fantastic about the 100 for women's cricket is that it's bringing, um, you know, dare I say it, monetization to the game, which definitely, given that these are professional sports people, um, this should be remunerated as such. And the equal prize money thing is such a big one. We've just got to get the equal pay thing going next. Um, we, we, we're like, it feels like we're just chipping away at it slowly. That as well. I mean, it's great that they're focusing on um, with the women's cricket teams as well as the men's and that they're on the same day and playing in the same venues. They have the same prize money, but you do forget that the difference in salary is huge <laughs> it's it's massive when it comes to this competition but you know as you say baby steps they're going in the right direction and mm. um, we have sophie love who is the captain of that western storm team and she also plays for somerset she's a top order right right-handed bat she had a really good season for the western storms uh, last season including an 104 not out in a one-day match against the southeast stars um, but again another captain so we've got three captains uh, in this team already so Great head on their shoulders and yeah, good leadership here. We have Bryony Smith, an all-rounder from Surrey and Southeast Stars again, and also with England. She's an off-spin bowler, right-handed bat, and her last T20 match for Surrey Stars, she was only given one over to bowl and she managed to get two for eight. So I bet they were kicking themselves they didn't give her any more. <laughs> um, but she's also only, you know, she only debuted for England in 2019 and since then has only played three T20 internationals. Um, but she has got a strike rate of 100 and she often opens the batting in the top order as well. So, yeah, she's got a lot um, to show for herself and a lot of improvement to make under um, such captaincy experience like Meg Lanning, we said before. Um, last but not least, we have a 19-year-old wicketkeeper, 
um, from Somerset and Western Storm. She's also with the England Academy and that's Natasha Wraith, um, which unfortunately I didn't get to find that much data about her, but I did get to find out that she also is a tennis coach in her spare time. So it's obviously a very, <laughs> very sporty individual. Definitely, you've seen this quite a lot, aren't we, with people who wear many different hats. I know there's there are there's players up in the northern franchises who double up as hockey players or rugby players. And uh, Southern Braves, we we saw one of their players was a PE teacher. It's so um, yeah. it's, it's it's wearing wearing many many hats. Um, but that's that. I think that's actually sounding like a very, very strong squad, very batting heavy. So we could see quite a lot of big hitting from the Western Storm. Um, um. I think so. Um, and also, there's still two positions left to fill, as with many of the women's teams that we've um, already discussed. So it'll be interesting to see who they're choosing from from the final two. I wonder if they're going to open up. Um, to any more international players for the women's, maybe they're maybe they'd be allowed to choose from one more. You never know, um, because well, there are two left to fill in most of the teams. Well, given what's going on as far as talks about the BCCI and the hundred, because obviously the the latest news is that the BCCI have been offered stakes in the franchises in the hundred in order for Indian players to come. Uh, but before that talk, they were talking about allowing and releasing the Indian women players to come over here. And I think given the strength of some of the Indian women's players, it'd be great, especially because, you know, from my, um, you know, non-professional, non-partisan opinion, I think that the Indian players or the Indian women's players got a bit stuffed by the BCCI recently. Um, and it would be great. It would be great to see them come over. It would add strength to the game here. It would... Uh, encourage you know a friendly relationship with the BCCI and the ECB which as we know the BCCI it's the most powerful cricket board in the world and that's where you're going to get your money and that's where you're going to get your viewers and that's where you're going to get razzmatazz for lack of a better description um, and I think that that would surely be a step in the right direction. Watch this space let's see what happens with that. Yeah. Well, um, a great, another great squad. So uh, I think, well, by the time we release this, we'll have got past the halfway point of our team breakdowns, but we hope you're enjoying them. And if you're not subscribed yet, please do. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, the subscribe button is there. So please do press subscribe and hit that thumbs up. Also, we are on Twitter at 100report, the word 100report, and we're on Instagram at the100report, and as soon as you go on there, you're going to see we're very chatty, we like having a chat, and um, you'll see some of the terrible jokes that I make. Um, I think I just made a terrible joke about Liam Livingston uh, the other day, so hopefully that's still up there. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, that's it from me, so I'll say ta and I'll see you on the next one. See you soon.